Hey, everybody. It is so good, so good to be with you today. I bring you greetings from Trinity, uh, just as Drew said, a couple of miles down the road. And um, I pray for you all all the time. And it's just a joy to be able to look out and see your faces. As Drew said, we've been walking in relationship for a, a really, really long time. And as I was worshiping over there this morning, I, my mind went back to um, a moment in my car about 12 years ago. And I was driving home from church on a weekend evening, and I was listening to uh, Georgia State's radio station, uh, which is a terrible radio station, um, run by students. I now have two student children at Georgia State. I probably wouldn't be listening to it now, but I was then, and it was nighttime. And they were playing a sermon from Martin Luther King Jr., just kind of randomly, it seemed like. And I was just driving along and listening to, to Dr. King, and he said in one line, uh, tonight I will go home to my house in Vine City. And at that point, I'd never heard of Vine City, never even thought of it. I lived just a couple of miles down the road, but we, we weren't really conversant with all the neighborhoods of Atlanta. And when I heard those words, Vine City, I, I pulled off the road and I began to pray. I felt like God... Uh, gripped something in my heart that I didn't even really understand. And I remember in that moment, a kind of seed dropped inside my own heart on a very personal level, and I began to pray for Vine City. I began to drive over here and just figure out what, what was what. And I asked God 12 years ago, I said, Lord, if there is any way that you would use me to have some sort of hand in a work that would happen in Vine City, let it be so. And as I stand here today and see what Pastor Drew and Pastor Mac are doing and who you are, it just makes me so thankful to be able to sit here. I had nothing to do with any of that other stuff other than I feel proud to be a part of what God's doing in the kingdom. And you all are in my heart and in my church's heart, and I just love the fact that we are not limited. The church is not limited by walls, but we belong to one another. We're the body of Christ, and we belong to you, and you belong to us. And I just want to say thanks be to God for what he is doing in this church. And I'm so honored to be here today. So I'm going to tell you a couple of things about myself before we get into Second Timothy. I'm married to Karen. Um, we've been married for 25 years. Uh, we have three kids. Maddie, my oldest, is 23, and she's at Georgia State. Um, Scout, my middle child, is 21, and she is at the University of Georgia. Go dogs! And my youngest son, Finn, is a freshman at Georgia State. So we've got three kids that are moving up into the world, and I am just so honored to be their dad and to be the husband of my wife. And um, our family brings you greetings as well. If you have your Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I love the fact that y'all are in the book of 2 Timothy because my church is doing the very same thing as well. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time uh, in 2 Timothy. I'm going to read and then I'm going to pray. And then we're just going to see what the Lord would have to say to us today. I'm really, really looking forward to sharing some um, of what God's been speaking into my own heart. We'll begin in verse 14. Paul says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be faithful and prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the church, God. I thank you for Redeemer. I thank you for the family of God, the body of Christ. I thank you, Lord, that we belong to one another. God, I thank you for the fact that COVID can't stop your church. That itching ears and people wanting to suit their own desires, that doesn't and can't stop your church. That our cynicism, it can't stop your church. God, you are building and have built something beautifully durable when you built the church. I pray that we would stand in a place of solidity, solid ground today. And I ask you to speak to us through the word. I pray that you would encourage our hearts. I pray that you would challenge our hearts and give us, God, ears to hear. The opposite of itching ears. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The thing that I love about 2 Timothy is that Paul is speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy. uh, A young man who is not his blood relative, but has become more powerfully connected than blood. They're family because they're spiritual family. And he looks at him over and over and over again. And he encourages Timothy to stand in a firm place. I believe that the Lord actually looks at you and at me when we live our lives. And it seems like there is so much in our life that is shifting. Uh, There's a lot of ground around us sometimes that doesn't feel all that solid. And what Paul is reminding Timothy of, that's the very thing that the Lord is wanting to say to you and me, is that we stand on firm ground when we stand in Jesus. It may not feel like it. There are times where I feel like the ground is shaking around me. But one of the things that I think we're meant to hold on to in this text today, one of the things I think the Holy Spirit actually through our brother St. Paul wants to say to us is that when you stand in Jesus, you actually have been given a place to stand that is more solid than you probably even think it is. So that's what we're going to do for the next few moments. We're going to look at what Paul said to Timothy, because I just want to tell you one of the things that we have to learn when we hold the Bible, handling the Bible as Christians, is that, sure, Second Timothy was like actually a letter written by a guy, Paul, to another guy, Timothy. But it's more than that, y'all. The Lord speaks through the historical context of the Bible, and he actually has something to say to us today. That's actually one of the most beautiful things about the authority and the power of Scripture, is that there's a bridge. It's both the historical moment, right? Paul speaking to Timothy. But it's also a now moment. 
And I think that one of the things that we have to do as Christians is learn to read the Bible with one foot in the history of the story and one foot in the now of the story. God has something to say to us today. And as I live my life, especially in seasons like the one that we find ourselves in right now, there are times where I need reminding that God is saying something to me right now. I believe he's saying something and has something to say to us right now. A now word. It's an old word, but it's a now word. Let's put that first set of slides up. Margaret, you weren't kidding. Drew did. He asked you. He's like, go back and find an old slide. She warned me before. She's like, Chris, you're making it easy. She's like, Drew makes it really hard. He'll say sometimes like, go back six slides from three weeks ago and let's pull that one up. And she's back there like panicking when that happens. And so I'm making this real easy. We're going to do two of these things. We're going to walk right through them. Um, I, I um, the wilderness. So I have a theory. The difference between walking and hiking, like what y'all are trying to figure out whether you're going to do, is just whether you're walking on concrete or on, on earth. And so, like, y'all can go with Christy and just walk on the grass and call it a hike. <laughs> you're not going to find any concrete out there where this guy's going. So if you want to, like, say you're hiking in the city, just get off the sidewalk or the belt line and walk in the grass. Like yesterday, I walked over to the park with one of my really good friends um, to your, your beautiful Vine City Park. It's like one of my favorite places. I can get there from my house. I live in Howell Station. And, you know, I just got off the Beltline and walked around on the grass, and I was like, hike. <laughs> I did it. Um, so, so we're going to make this simple. Paul says to Timothy, and the Holy Spirit says to us, first, continue in what you have learned. And what he's saying is you Christians, we Christians, have been given something. We have been given a gift. Now tend to the gift. It's not enough to have a yard. you got to tend to it, or you're going to make people annoyed around you. It's not enough to have teeth. you got to tend to them, or you'll have fewer teeth later. It's not enough just to have something. Paul looks at Timothy and he says, I want you to tend to it. I want you to continue in what you have learned. And I believe that one of the fundamental invitations for you and me today is to tend to, to continue in what we have received and what we have learned from God. Some of you grew up in church. Some of you are new to church. Some of you may have been away from church and now you're coming back. What the Lord would say to us through our brother St. Paul is it is our responsibility to tend to, to continue in what we have learned and received. Every one of us was drawn to this place, maybe today, and to God in some season in life for a reason. And yet we have to remember and continue in what we have learned. This is why I believe that it is of fundamental importance that we engage our life with God with intentionality. Faith and flourishing and joy and hope, it doesn't just happen to us, y'all. It doesn't happen accidentally. It may have been that your faith began with some sort of, like a thundercloud. Something just powerful happened out of the blue. But moving on from those moments of uh, exciting or explosive beginning, we actually have to continue in what we've learned. We have to be intentional about our life with God. In my own life with God, I have what I call a rule of life. It's a, an intentional way to live my life with God. This morning, as I was sitting in my house, 
um, journaling. We're now like for the moment, empty nesters, all of our kids are gone. And so it's weird. It's very quiet in my house. It wasn't always that way. As I was sitting in the quiet of my house this morning, I, I was writing in a journal. I just started journaling a year ago. And I was going through my rule of life, my plan or my like trellis or my structure of my life with God. And that rule of life for me is actually very simple. I call it the spire model. S-P-I-R-E. My spiritual life. I name practices, coming to church, reading, praying. My physical life, taking care of my body, trying to eat right, trying to sleep enough, trying to drink enough water. My I intellectual life, what am I learning? Am I going to the Roman study? Am I giving myself intentional space to be curious and thoughtful to grow? My relational life. I actually have a plan in my journal where I draw circles around the relationships that are most important in going out. I don't show anybody these circles because it might hurt some people's feelings. But I, I got some like people in the middle and then I've got people outside and then further out and then further out. But I, how am I doing in my relationships? My kids have, have left home and so I've got to be really intentional with them. It used to just be like we could do it randomly. Now I've got to be really intentional with my relationships. And then finally, my emotional life. How am I dealing with my feelings? How I'm doing? I wasn't much on feelings a long time ago. This last year, I hit a season of burnout and actually took four months off from my church. I, I just sort of like hit a wall. You know, COVID's been really hard. Everything that's happening in our world um, politically, it's just been exhausting. Um, I just want to tell you, your pastors are tired. Pastor Mac and Drew, because they've been carrying weight as leaders in the church, and it has not been easy. It hadn't been easy for any of us, but I just want to tell you, it's not been an easy time for being a pastor. And I realized in my own life that I wasn't really dialed into what was really going on. I was just kind of putting my head down and trying to get through it. Maybe today you're coming into this space and you are worn out because you've just had your head down for a really long time trying to survive. Sometimes we have to step back and look at our lives and say, God, how by your grace can I continue to continue in what I have learned by growing and being as healthy as I can? The next thing Paul says is be mindful regarding who teaches you. He's saying you should elsewhere. Paul says when people teach you, you should look at the outcome of their life. Are they the kind of people you want to follow? And I just want to say Drew and Leon are men you can follow. I love and respect and admire these two guys. I've known Drew and his wife, Diane, for a long, long, long time. And I would trust this man with my life. If you ever see he and I uh, at Nuevo Laredo, don't come up to us. Because we get together on a regular basis. We've known one another for a really long time. And we cry together and we pray together. Because we need life on life. But what I'm telling you is I've looked under the curtain of this man's life. And he is a good man. I've looked behind whatever it is that people, you know, when they think they know someone and there's like a veil and you go, but what's he really like? I just want to say Drew is a man of substance and character and integrity. And wherever he says go in terms of following Jesus, you can trust to follow him and walk with him. Leon who I haven't known as long, is a man of substance and integrity. This guy loves Jesus, and he loves y'all, and he loves his family. 
You've got leaders that you can follow. And I just want to say to you as a pastor, that is a rare gift. Because we live in a world right now where there are a lot of people saying a lot of things. And it's really important to find leaders that you can actually say, that is a person that I want to live and listen to and follow. And you've got leaders who have that in this church. And I'm so very thankful for you. The third thing that Paul says to Timothy is don't forget what God has done in your life. He reminds Timothy of his childhood experiences. And I believe that one of the things the Lord wants you to think about this morning is what has he done for you in days gone by? Every one of us, if we stop and look up and and just for a moment reflect, we can find, even if we're in a tough place right now, we can go, oh yeah, God did something back then. Like I look back and go, that moment driving in my car, randomly listening to Dr. King, that was God coming close to me to move me to pray for a place I'd never seen or visited. I got to remember. Do you remember that story um, in, in, uh, when Jesus is walking on the water out to his friends and they're rowing against what one translation of the Bible says, an adversarial wind. They're like in a, in a pinch, you know, and they don't recognize Jesus. They don't even see him at first. You know why? Because when we're in a hard time, we get tunnel vision. When I'm in a hard space, I forget. I forget what God's done. I forget to look up and see Jesus over there to the side. Even if he's moving toward me. You're no different. And so one of the things Paul says to Timothy and one of the things the Spirit says to us is I want you to intentionally remember. I believe God wants every one of us to step back from our lives on a regular basis and rehearse and remember the things that he has done for us. When you remember in the moment, it helps you be present in the moment. And I'm going to tell you, God is only ever available to us in the present. He's not in your past and he's not in your future. That's nostalgia or regret in the past. Or fantasy and fear in the future, God is right here. And when I remember his past works, it makes me more able to be present with him right here, right now. And so for some of us, there is a real invitation today to carve out some space and try to remember what has he done for me? Where has he been faithful? Because God's past action in your life is always an indicator of his present action and disposition and his future action and intention for you i got to know where I'm coming from in order to know who I am and where I'm going. Because I change, I twist, I turn. God does not change. So you got to remember. we got to look back and remember what he has done. Amen? Amen. And then we got to let the Bible, let the Holy Scripture do what it's meant to do. Here's what it's meant to do. It's meant to teach. You know what teach means? Instruct and form. You know what teach means? Teach means that when I arm wrestle the Bible, I lose every time. I don't come to the Bible as an equal. I don't treat the Bible like I would treat like a butterfly that I would pin to a board and want to cut it up and understand. I have a doctoral degree. I'm all about thinking. But when I come to the Bible, I stand under it, not beside it, not on top of it. I stand under the Bible. And I just want to tell you, if you do this right, the Bible will read you more than you read it. It'll get in your business. It'll form you. And the truth is, y'all, we don't know where we're meant to go. And the Bible teaches and forms me. The Bible's like a rock in a river. I'm like a rock in a river when I'm immersed in the world of the Bible. My edges come off through constant contact and immersion. And so I'm just going to tell you, if you're not down with that, 
be careful. Because that's what the scripture is wanting to do to you. It's wanting to shape you and knock your hard edges off. And there have been times in my life where I've just said, you know, I think I just want to be a rock in the field next to the river because I'm not really ready for all that. That's okay. But you just need to know the long term, God wants to teach you through the Bible. The second thing is the Bible's here to bring reproof. Do you know what the word reproof means? This is why Drew asked me to preach. He didn't want to tell you this. (laughs) Reproof means to blame and accuse. To show us where we've gone wrong. The Bible will show you. If you've never been challenged by the Bible, you're probably not reading it right. It just wants to tell you where you've gone off. Third, correct. You know what correct means? It means to provide a way forward. Once you know you've got off track, the Bible wants to move you toward alignment. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, wants to move you using the Scripture toward alignment. It wants to provide a way forward. So teach, reproof, correct, finally train. Foster habits. Give us a way forward that we stay then on the pathway. That's what the Scripture is meant to do. And we have to allow the Scripture to do what it is meant to do. At least two of what I said, those things are uncomfortable. Maybe three. If we only come to the Bible for comfort and confirmation, we're probably not reading the Bible as comprehensively as we should be and are invited to do. Okay, second set of slides, Margaret. We're going to look at now what he says for the rest of the time. Number one, Paul says to Timothy, um, you are called, we are called. The Bible is an all y'all sort of situation. It's an us thing, and we are called to shape and form one another in the family of God. That's why we need one another. I'm going to tell you, he was joking, saying that what's going to happen up in Dahlonega is not spiritual. Some of my most deep and profound moments have happened with people on the trail in the woods. Because you just get going, and then life happens, and the next thing you know, you're forming and shaping one another. The Romans Bible study, it's a forming, shaping environment. It's where we get out of isolation. Do you know what the problem is with this room? I mean, it's an amazing room. You got way better light than I have in the room at my church. The problem in this room is y'all are all facing in the same direction. You can't have community with the back of somebody's head. I have a really bad cow lick. So you see the back of my head, it's like, oh man, that dude doesn't know how to. You can't, this, is, this can't be it. We've got to find places and ways where we turn our lives toward one another. And I don't care how busy you are. I mean, I do care. I feel sad for you. You're so busy. But you know, we're all busy. And yet, you know, the thing is, we're still called to turn our lives toward one another. Y'all, it's time for us to figure out what it means to be the body because the body needs you. This church needs you. The bigger church needs Redeemer. We've got to be the kind of people who look at each other and form and shape one another. And one of the things that Paul is saying to Timothy is what the Spirit's saying to us. It's like you are called to be in the family. One of the things I love about 2 Timothy is that Paul reminds Timothy of Lois and Eunice, right? His mother and his grandmother. He's like, Y'all, you, you were shaped by your family. Paul mentions his own ancestors. Last week, if you were in 2 Timothy... Paul mentioned Jesus' family. He's descended from David. There's lots of family language in 2 Timothy. But the thing that I love outside, because your family may not be all that great. I was raised by hippies. Most of y'all probably don't even know who this is. I was named after Chris Christopherson. That's why my name is spelled a K. Chris Christopherson was like a wild hippie dude. My, my parents were drug addicts. Um, 
My mom and dad both encountered God in a very powerful way, and now they're not, thanks be to God, they follow him. But I grew up in like some scary, weird places, and my parents are not like that anymore. But some of those things are still in my mind, you know, like it was a rough time as a child. God's redeeming my family, but even if your family's a mess, Paul says to Timothy, we're family. You are family with the people in this room. Which means we're not alone. We sing that song, God wants to teach us in our bones. We are not alone. We belong to one another. But you and me, we need to participate in that work. So what does it look like for you to be more intimately, more meaningfully connected to the people in this room? I just want to call you, get outside your comfort zone. Go to the Roman study. Go walk the streets of this neighborhood with Christy. Go to the mountains. And have spiritual experiences on the trail. We've got to get outside of ourselves. And I I would argue we even have to get outside of Sunday. Sunday's awesome. But it ain't it, y'all. It's not the whole thing. There's more. The second thing is beware when your ears itch. I have an ear infection in my ear. It's itching all the time right now. If our desire is to only hear positive and affirming things... What Paul's telling me right now is that's not a new thing. We've been doing that for a really long time. Remember, we stand under the word, not beside it, not over it. So beware when your ears itch. I may step on a couple of toes right now, but I'm a guest preacher, so just don't invite me back. I believe that right now in the world and in the church, there is an increasing tendency toward Uh, fundamentalism of all kinds. I would say that the religion of the political left and the political right um, creates and generates. If you are a fundamentalist in either direction, it creates some of the most fragile people that I know who just can't handle being around people who are different than them. And this is not just fundamentalist Muslims or fundamentalist Christians or fundamentalist Mormons. We have a temptation toward tribalism and fundamentalism that's at play in our world where we're just breaking relationship left and right. My church has suffered immensely. I'm sure yours has too. If you only ever hear what you want to hear, if Pastor Drew and Pastor Mac um, only either tell you everything you like and if you hear something you don't like, you're out, I would just say there's an invitation for us to go deeper and to sit still and not check our brains at the door, but ask him for the grace to be challenged and confronted with things that make us feel uncomfortable. You ought to feel a little uncomfortable sometimes in church. I think a job of a pastor is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. It's it's the job of a pastor. So don't wear steel toe boots. Let your toes get stepped on. And ask him for grace to grow. I think we have to be careful when our ears itch. Here's where I want to leave it. The heart of evangelism is curiosity. Paul tells Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. And I believe he's called every single one of us to do the work of an evangelist. So here's what I'm doing every day right now. I'm a professional Christian. I spend time with Christians. I'm a pastor. So I've been asking God, Lord, help me be an evangelist. Help me do the work of an evangelist. I'm trying to take this seriously. So last week I went to the Georgia game um, and uh, was invited to a tailgate. And everybody at this tailgate was, woo, drunk. 
I mean, whoa, drunk. It was like one o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm thinking, man, this is a wild place. And I'm, I'm like, rather than being repulsed by it, I decided to sit still and say, Lord, make me curious. Who is moving toward me here? And this man, 65 years old, came up, put his arm around me. I think so I would hold him up. And he said, you know, when you came under this tent, I have a lot of tattoos. I've hid them just because I didn't want to make it weird for you. Um, but I, I wasn't hiding my tattoos uh, when I was under the, uh, under the tent. He said, you know, I thought you were probably from Oregon. I was like, I don't even really know what that means. And then he said next, he said, and that means I thought you were probably trying to burn the world down. <laughs> I was like, oh, Jesus, where is this going? He puts his arm around me, and within 20 minutes, he is pouring out his story about his kids that are adult kids that he doesn't have a relationship with like he wants. And he's just like, I don't know why I'm telling you all these things. He didn't know I was a pastor. I was just open. God wants to do things in your life. He wants you to be open. If we could have our musicians, Nicole, I think if the baby's not crying, that's you to play the harp. I hear it's more heavenly when the harp is played than when the guitar is played. No offense. Here's what I want to ask you to think about. What would your life be like if you were curious? I don't think people have a problem with Jesus. I think it's us they have a problem with most of the time. a dangerous thing when you pray lord let me be curious let me be open because after that experience i went to the dentist which i do not enjoy if you're a dentist god bless you but i don't enjoy it and there i was this lady's hands elbow deep in my mouth she begins to tell me that she's lost a relationship with her sister and she didn't know what to do and she was heartbroken and I'm sitting there going, you're doing it again, God. I, this isn't about smart words. This is about being open and saying, God, who's moving toward me? When Paul tells Timothy to do the work of an evangelist, I think a big part of what he was saying is pay attention to who's moving toward you in your life and then be willing to just engage them for Jesus in very simple ways. If y'all do that, you're going to need a bigger building because people want to be seen. People want to know that Jesus loves them. And the way that they're first going to know that, for the most part, is when they sense that you love them. And then they'll move. I want to pray for us, and I just want to say thank you for allowing me the privilege of standing in this pulpit. It's been an honor to be with you today. Father, I thank you for the Bible. I thank you, Lord, for the words that our brother Paul spoke to our brother Timothy. And, Lord, I thank you that in this place, in this moment, on this day, you, Holy Spirit, are speaking to us. So I pray that we would be the people who have open ears, ears to hear. I just ask you to bless my friends. I ask you to watch over them. And I thank you for this church, Lord, in Jesus' name. God bless you.